Welcome to church this morning. Praise the name of Jesus. I invite you to stand with me and welcome to those uh, of you joining us online. It's great to have you join us. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day that you've created for us to rejoice in you, to seek you, to get to know you better. We just invite you to have your way in our service, in our midst, God. I pray that you would bless people tuning in right now, Lord, that you would just touch them where they're at, God. Encourage, strengthen, build up, I pray, as only you can do, God. You're such a good God. Hallelujah. Amen.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. The battle belongs to the Lord. And if you're in a battle this morning, know that God is for you. God is for you. He hasn't left you alone. He hasn't forsaken you. He's with you in the battle. And it's by the eyes of faith, by looking at his word, that we see that God is for us and he is not against us. Well, welcome this morning. Good to have you join us online. And those of you who are in person, we're so happy that you're here to celebrate with us. I hope you enjoyed. Some of you were with us yesterday at the barbecue. Was that amazing? Amen. We need to enjoy not only the Lord, but also one another. We're a family and we want to celebrate together. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Give him praise and glory for he is worthy. the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough and you came along you put me back together is now satisfied here in your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you there's nothing nothing is better than you
into us father you gave us life when you died on the cross and rose again hallelujah hallelujah great are you jesus we love you today father
only meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good Yes, you do You take what the enemy in the life. No man comes to the Father but through you, and you are the victor because you died and rose again for us, Jesus. There's no one like you. Hallelujah. We serve a living God. We serve a powerful God. We serve a miracle-working God, and we look to you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, O God. There's none like you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We worship you for your, you are holy, you are worthy, you are pure and full of love, unconditional love, Jesus.
Father God, we praise you, Jesus. We praise you this day, God. We praise you tomorrow, Father God, for all of eternity, Lord. We will praise you. We will sing of your goodness. We will sing of your victories, Jesus, of your faithfulness, Lord. God, would everything that is within us, Lord, glorify you, Jesus. Would every breath that comes out be praises unto your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Savior, deserving 
Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to celebrate communion together. So if you need uh, one of the elements, if you don't have one when you came in, uh, just raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring round to you. And I'm going to read from Scripture. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so that we will not be condemned with the world. And as I read this scripture, it tells us to remember him, to remember him, both in when we take the body and when we take the, the blood or, or the, the wine. And what that remembering does for me is it reminds me of his unconditional love for us. He willingly gave up his place in heaven, seeing that we were yet sinners. And he came down and he lived a sinless life. And he was sacrificed on the cross. And he went down and he got the keys of hell and death and, uh, and he rose from the dead again so that we can have an expectant hope and eternal life. That's what we're celebrating. That's exactly why we are celebrating this uh, every, every time we, well, not every time we get together, but as many times as we, we do get together uh, monthly. And what we also see is that he bore our shame. He bore our grief. He bore our hurt. We see that in Isaiah 53. We sang a portion of this earlier, Isaiah 63, verse 1 to 3. He gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joyful mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We don't need to walk around with depressed faces, folks. We can praise the Lord our God. He's preparing a place for us. We have a place of expectation of joy. We have a place of hope in Him. It says uh, in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11, For who, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. He's coming again. He's coming to get each one of us and take us to that place that He has prepared for us. Amen? So as we... Uh, take of this bread. Let's remember that his body was broken for us. He was wounded for us. He, his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. So let's take together. It says, this body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, I want to thank you for your body that was broken for each one of us. 
Lord, for the, the whipping, the stripes that you bore at Calvary, for the piercing of your body. Lord, for the shame that you bore. Lord, for all that you took upon you, having lived a sinless life, and you did it because you loved us. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you, and we remember what you did, and we want to live in the way that you have set for us to live. We just commit that in Jesus' name. Amen. Then it says, In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember what he did in sacrificing his blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. Your blood was shed for me. Your blood was shed for each one of us. Your blood was shed for everyone in this world. Lord, that we might be washed clean. That we might have righteousness, Lord. We might have right relationship with you. Lord, you have uh, redeemed us from a, a, an eternal uh, damnation, Lord God. You've rede redeemed us from that. And Lord, now we have eternal hope. Lord, we are going to spend eternity with you in the presence of your love because of the blood that you shed and because you washed us clean from every single sin, past, present, and future. And we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Church, stand up. Raise up your hands. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, Lord God. We give you thanks. We give you glory because you did it. You did it all for us because you loved us unconditionally. And we praise you. And we say, you are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, church. Good to see you all. This is the 11 a.m. service, so I'm going to give you the same message that I delivered to the 9 a.m. service, and the message is no less potent for you. Uh, before I share the message, I just want to remind you as well that starting on October 13th, Wednesday, October 13th, we're going to be launching our core foundations teaching series. We're going to be doing a Bible study here uh, in this room. Uh, hopefully, as many of you as possible can join us. What is the core foundations Bible study training program workshop? We're going to be talking about the centrality of Christ. We're going to be going through the seven IMs as seen in the Gospel of John. And we're all going to be gaining a greater revelation of who he is and who we are in him. Who is it open to? 
new believers, young believers, and any believer in the body of Christ who wants to grow in maturity and be equipped for the call and the purposes that God has for your life. Amen? Harvey's going to be doing some of the teaching. Martin's going to be doing some of the teaching. I'm going to be doing some of the teaching. Leonard's going to be doing some of the teaching. We're going to have a time of worship and fellowship and reflection on the things that were taught. So we hope you all can join us. You can register at the church office. And uh, that's it. God bless you. Well, this morning I have something very important to share with you. This is a message that has been birthing in my heart for 20 years. And I look back on all the different things that I've shared and, 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 and preached, and I've noticed that not once have I shared what I'm about to share with you this morning. And what I'm about to share with you this morning is something that came to my attention over the last little while, that there is something we need to know as believers in the body of Christ that I have come to realize there are many of us here in this room, people who know the Lord, who love the Lord, who have not yet maybe come to a full revelation of. And what I preach this morning, if you don't yet have a handle on this, I want to remind you, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. The purpose of this message this morning is to give us an opportunity to reflect and to refine ourselves and to take note of this critical teaching. I want to open this morning with a scripture from Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 14. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Today I'd like to share with you what I believe is one of the most foundational life-changing truths in all of the world. I want to share with you a truth that is foundational to our belief and our doctrine as Christians a truth that is foundationally seen in the Word of God. And if we move too fast in the Christian life, we miss it. We need to take note of this truth. And this truth is this. That God loves us. Period. 
I want you to say this with me. God loves me. Now, I heard some of you say us. So I want you to say it again. God loves me. He does love us, but he loves you personally, intimately, and profoundly. And sometimes when we think about how God loves us, how God loves the world, we forget that his love is for each of us as individuals, uniquely and specifically each one of us. I want you to look around the room. I want you to look at the person beside you. I want you to think of the most seemingly random people that you came into contact with today. I want you to visualize the people that you've come into contact today. I want you to think about the people you've come into contact this week. Now I want you to think about the people that grate on you the most. The people that rub you the wrong way the most. I want you to visualize these people. And I want you to ponder for a moment. God loves them. The person who served you Tim Horton's coffee this morning. The person that you saw walking up and down the street this morning. The person that you ran into in the line this morning that you maybe don't even know. God loves them. God loves us. Before anything else, God wants us to know him and how much we are loved by him. God desperately and profoundly wants us to understand his rich love for us. And in understanding his love for us, he wants us to find our security, our strength, our peace, our in him. He wants us to understand our security and our peace and our power and our all in all to live in him, with him, and for him each day. And again, I'll say those words, security, strength, peace, and power to live in him, with him, and for him each day. In order to begin to understand the love of God, though, we must start by ensuring that we have a correct understanding of the character and nature of God. 1 Peter chapter 3 says, You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall away from your own steadfastness, but rather grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and to him be the glory, both now and in the day of eternity. Amen. He says, grow in the grace and in the correct and true knowledge of God. And we know, don't we, that there is only one place 
where we can ascertain this true and correct understanding about the character and nature of God, and it is in his word. So what does his word tell us about his love? Well, one of the most famous passages in all the scriptures is this, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. It says God so loved the world that he allowed that Calvary to happen. Romans 8, verses 35, Paul says, Who can possibly separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, will persecution, will hardship, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? For just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. He says, I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us From the love of God. From the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. So then, understanding God's love, if we're going to gain a greater understanding of God's love, we must first then begin with intimately knowing the person of Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, the Apostle John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is love. For our love is from God, and everyone who is, loves is born of God and knows God. But he says, the one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. The Bible does not tell us here that God loves us, but rather this passage says that God is love. He doesn't just love, he is love. He goes on and says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his beloved Son into the world, so that we might live through him. He says, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The love of God is the key attribute that defines who he is. We sing many songs. The one that comes to my mind is Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. 
He is those things. He is our creator. He is sovereign and mighty and powerful. He is everlasting. He is our healer. He is a deliverer. He is the king of the universe. He is our provider. He is a miracle worker. He's all of these things and more. But first and above all of these things, we must know that he is love and that he loves us jealously and profoundly, beginning to grow in the love of God starts here by knowing that he is love and that he loves us. But you know what? Knowledge, the knowledge of God and his love does not only come through the study of his word. In fact, I'm going to say this morning that if the only understanding that you have of God's love for you comes through the word of God, your understanding of his love is limited. What? See, knowledge comes through study, but knowledge also comes through experience. And knowledge also comes through revelation. God wants us to have a revelation of how much he loves us. And he wants us to have an encounter, a personal experience with him to know his rich, rich love for us. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Paul says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings about proven character, and proven character brings about hope. And hope, and hope, Paul says, does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us with our minds. With our minds, we believe the truth of God's word. We believe with our minds that he loves us, that he cares for us. But the heart, but the heart, the heart is what he's talking about here. He says the Bible says that God also poured out his heart and he poured out his love within our hearts so that we could experience him. Having a knowledge or an idea about something is okay and is fine and well, but to experience something is so much better. Let me tell you something. I love the bacon bourbon burger from Kelsey's. I love its flavor. I love how it tastes. I love its texture. But guess what? If I try and explain to you the flavor sensation of this burger that I so love, 
and I try to convince you that it's a delicious burger and I explain to you all the chemistry of this burger, until you've tasted it yourself, your understanding of what I'm trying to convey to you is limited. We can tell people about the love of God. We can read about the love of God. But until we experience the love of God, our understanding of it is limited. I love roller coasters. I love the feeling of going up that hill, hitting the apex, and then flying down, and the butterflies in your stomach, and you turn left, and you turn right, and there's all these things that are happening, and I can try to explain it to you. I can try to explain to you the sensations of what it feels like to ride a roller coaster, but until you've ridden it yourself, it's all here. Jason, I appreciate what you're trying to tell me. I appreciate what you're trying to explain to me. But I, there's something, there's a disconnect. There's something that it just hasn't quite hit home. And until you experience the love of God for yourself, it stays here. But God wants to bring what he's placed here and move it to here. The love of God is not simply some theological idea. It is something we must experience for ourselves. And this experience varies day to day, person to person. But I want to encourage you this morning. This experience is intended for all believers. We are not chasing an experience. We are chasing him. We're chasing him and his love. But I'm going to tell you something. The chase that we're involved in is not something that goes on and on. And maybe one day I can catch up to God. Maybe one day if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can experience this joy and this love. It's not like that. See, God is waiting for us lovingly and patiently and reaching him, grabbing onto him, is simply a matter of opening our hearts to him. It's not a lifelong pursuit, and maybe one day we'll get a, a revelation of his love. God's love is ready and available and willing to all who seek him and who come to him. The word of God says, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. He doesn't intend to remain elusive to us, hiding from us, and always out of reach. The love of God is always within our reach. Experiencing his love is not something we can conjure up or manipulate into being. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. Understanding the love of God is a work of the Holy Spirit. Trying to get a hold of God's love is not something we grasp for or strive for. It's something that he extends to us and invites us to freely receive. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, open the eyes of our heart to see and know the beauty of Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. Oh, Calvary. This, this is, 
This is love. What he did at the cross, this is love. What the Father gave to us, extended to us in Christ, this is love. If we could catch a vision of just how much God loves us, I unequivocally believe that our lives, our churches, and our homes would be radically transformed. Everybody say radically transformed. I'm going to say something. Listen carefully, because it will not be the last time I say this. Radical transformation should be the expectation of the normal Christian life. Because if it's not, what are we doing? We speak of the miracle-working God. We speak of his power. We speak of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And yet, when we hear his call, do we respond? Radical transformation and nothing less should be our expectation in the Christian life. The next step we take in growing in our knowledge of him and his love for us takes place as we begin to examine our own hearts and minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul says this, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not know or recognize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. Unless, indeed, you fail the test. But don't worry. Paul says, I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. And what is this test? What is this test in the Christian life that Paul speaks of? I believe it's the love test. In 1 John chapter 4, the apostle John says this, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us the Spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, and all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in him. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Paul says that our love becomes perfected and grows and is cultivated. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates or despises 
or is bothered by a fellow believer, he says he's a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we can't see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And John says in chapter 13, uh, a new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. another. Even as I have loved you, so also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you reflect that love to one another. You know, we are actually, I believe, incapable of loving like him. No one can love, I mean truly love, without first being loved by him and knowing his love for us. And again, John says, we love because he first loved us. You know, as a church, our vision here at Open Door Christian Fellowship is to see a Christ-centered community growing together in faith, hope, and love. But I'm going to tell you something. To be truly Christ-centered is to be rooted and grounded in God's love for us. And understanding his love will affect our faith. It will affect our hope, and it will affect how we love. When we get a hold of the love of God for us, believe me, creative faith will begin to operate. When we get a hold of and have a revelation of God's love for us, our doctrinal faith, our God-conscious faith, our persevering faith will thrive. Our hope, as we heard earlier, will not disappoint. When we understand how rich and deep his love is for us, we have no fear. We have no worries. We have no concerns because we know that one day we will be with him. And we know further enough the hope of his word that states, I am with you moment by moment, day by day. This produces faith and hope within us. And why do we know that he's going to be with us moment by moment, day by day? Why do we know that we will one day be with him in eternity? Because we know his love for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul says, Love is patient and kind. It isn't jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. Say the love of God is not irritable. If you find yourself getting irritated by people, it reminds us, I don't yet fully understand the love of God. It keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. 
Have you ever heard yourself saying, I give up, I can't take it anymore, Lord. I've got no more love in my heart. I'm so angry, I can't do it anymore. I quit. When we hear ourselves saying that, what we're really saying is, I don't yet have a full understanding of your love. Lord, help me to understand your love for me and help me to understand your love for those around me. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful. And it endures in what? Every circumstance. The love of God. If we've had a revelation of the love of God, he fills us with the faith and the hope and the love that no matter what happens, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, we have incredible peace and power and joy and freedom. Those things don't move us when we have a revelation of the love of God. So then if we as a church are going to fulfill the vision that God has given to us, it is absolutely essential for us to get a hold of God's deep, deep love for us. As believers, having a correct understanding of God's love is absolutely essential to living a victorious Christian life. Our capacity to love, to forgive, to help, to serve is directly proportional to the degree to which we understand and experience his love toward us. How, you say? Well, again, when we have a revelation of God's love, it produces within us an incredible freedom, a peace, and a joy Do you know joy is not something that you can conjure up? It's not something you can make happen. You can try to put on a happy face. You can try to be at peace with people. But if it's not produced in the spirit from a revelation of God's deep, deep love for us and his love for others, it's all artificial fruit. We need a revelation so that we can have this freedom and this peace and this joy the Lord speaks of. Secondly, coming to know this experience and to experience his love calls us to, no, doesn't call us, it compels us to live in bold, fearless, dynamic ways for Christ. The love of God compels us to love to believe, to do all these things that we read about, right, in 1 Corinthians. Compels us. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, you were cleaned from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other. He says, now that you've been washed, now that you understand the love of God, you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. He says, love each other deeply with all of your heart. This is impossible to do in the natural. But God says, I will give you the power to do it if you will only grab hold of my love for you. The love of God always provokes us 
to action. Now, here's the bad news. I'm sorry. I've been preaching a lot of good news, but here's the bad news. What happens if we don't experience his love? If we don't have an encounter with the love of God, our lives will end up becoming empty, fruitless, self-centered, full of fear and insecurity. Our lives will be abrasive to those around us. And we're going to end up finding ourselves operating in self-effort, which will eventually lead us to physical and spiritual exhaustion. This is not God's heart or intended plan for any of us to live in the Christian life. But this is what will happen if we don't get a hold of his love for us. The good news is that we never have to live like this. And it's, and it's explicit, his explicit will that we never have to. And he himself has made every provision so that we never have to. Say with me, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He has made a way for us to live like this and not like this. So, worship team, if you want to come forward, I'm just going to close up by saying this. You're, you're listening to me, I believe, and I, and I hope you're hearing what I'm saying about how incredibly, essentially important it is for us to get a hold of God's love for us. And I hope you're wondering, but Jason, please tell us how. Well, I'm going to start by saying there is no magic bullet. It's not like all of a sudden you can, wham, make it happen. It's going to take time, but you've got to surrender your hearts to him. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you three really practical things, and I'm going to make it really simple for you to reflect on. I'm going to give you three P words. I'm going to explain each of them really quickly. Ponder, practice, and pray. We need to ponder. We need to take time to reflect on his love for us. We need to take time to reflect on his life that was made available to us. The sacrifice that he made for us. We need to meditate and to ponder what happened at Calvary and think about his rich love towards us. We need to read about him in the scriptures and continually thank him for all of his love and mercy and blessings that he extends to us each day. Then we need to put it into practice. You know, the, if you have received Christ, he is going to tell you to do things that challenge you, that take you out of your comfort zones. But his promise is that if we will be obedient to do what he tells us to do, he will fill us with the power to do it. He will release supernatural power to accomplish his will in your life. And when we do this, when we cooperate with him, we begin to experience the love of God for us and experience the love of God flowing through us to affect others. The love of God is something we need to put into practice. And third, we need to pray and ask God to give us an understanding a greater revelation of his love for us. And we need to worship him. 
We need to worship him every morning, every noon, every evening. Worship him. God, we worship you because you are worthy. We worship you because you love us. We worship you because you created us. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We need to worship him. And we need to seek him daily. Again, for a fresh revelation of his heart and his love, not just for us, but for those around us. May the love of God invade our hearts this week. Those of you at home, I want to invite you as well right now. If you have never come to know the love of God, if you've never come to know the person of Jesus Christ, today is a great day to do it. Today is a fabulous day to encounter the love of God. Today is a fabulous day to invite him into your life. Today is a fabulous day to say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Jesus, I need you in my life. Jesus, thank you for your love. May your love be known in me and seen in me and released through me. Lord, we thank you for the promises and the riches of your word. Lord, we open our hearts to you right now. God, I pray if there is someone in this room or at home that hasn't yet encountered your love, release it now, Lord, in Jesus' name. May your love invade every heart and every home. May your love invade this church, Lord. May you have your will and your way. We give our hearts and our lives to you today and pray for your anointing, your freedom, your peace, your power to be released in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for this great love, God, that you showed that you displayed by sending your only son to die on the cross for our sins that we could have everlasting life jesus you have rewritten our story we are free in you so let's stand and let's testify of the lord's goodness this morning
Together. Now reveal. 